I know we look at Memorial Day weekend as the launching of summer schools out. We can move into our swimsuits and lake days and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's all exciting, but Memorial Day is so much more than that. It kind of helps us to remember the people who helped make our nation great. One nation, as you've even seen this week, under God, uh, rallying around the state of Oklahoma in their time of suffering. Again, all of this comes together in a beautiful um Beautiful story of sacrifice and, and commitment, and so we're, we are mindful of that on this, on this special weekend. Uh, we come together, we're also mindful of uh, what God is doing in us and has been doing in us over the past 12 years. Uh, when I think about uh, what He's been doing in us, I really kind of come back, and I've been on this journey uh, reflecting and moving forward all kind of at the same, same motion. Uh, in my own in my own journey, uh, my own pilgrimage in, in the faith. But as I look back over the past 12 years, starting this this month, we started the Grace Point 12 years ago in a little living room, and then we move forward to where we're going, um, and you see the expansion where we're going. And and I really wanted to come back to prayer. That's where we started. We started in the living room, and this is our very first Sunday uh, when we we gathered. We weren't Grace Point Church at that point. We were just a group of believers, a group of believers who felt a, a need to call and to, to come together and to pray about, just pray about, that's all it was, just to pray about whether or not God wanted to be, them to be a part uh, of a new church start. Lori had already given, the Lord already given Lori and I a sense of direction, and we just got together with some of our prayer partners that had been praying with us back in, in Africa. And so what we got together is we, I asked him to go home and to take this guy, this is probably the only one of the original guys that we had, uh, take seven days and pray about uh, whether or not God was leading them to be a part of Grace Point as we moved into the future. That was 12 years ago this month. And I want to move us past seven days of prayer and to move us into seven weeks of prayer, if you will. I want to take it up a notch. Uh, church is much larger. In fact, that, that first Sunday we had 14 adults there. The next Sunday we had 10. So we had decreased uh, 20-something percent in one week. Uh, that's not exactly great church growth numbers, uh, but th- that was okay. God had to make us smaller before He could make us larger. We had to spend time in prayer before He could take us to where He was leading us. And and, I'll, and, I, and I say this 12 years into this gig, I've got 12 more more years in me here as, as I see it now and as I feel it now. And I don't want the first 12 years to be greater than the second 12 years. I hope that you guys are going to be a part of the next 12 years and what that will look like. So I'm ramping things up, not slowing things down, not, not taking my foot off the pedal uh, as we move into the future. And so let me just do that from the beginning. If we started with prayer seven days of prayer, I want to again move us to seven weeks of prayer. And what does that look like? Um, last week, if you were here, you heard us talk about this uh, this uh, prayer guide by Randy Sprinkle. And I probably, if I've had anybody uh, that I've known personally, face-to-face, that has poured more and inspired me more to pray, it'd be Randy Sprinkle. And once I found that he had this uh, this seven or six week prayer guide out on prayer walking and how to live in your community and, and to be active in prayer, then I grabbed it. We've used it several times on some of our, our global adventures, but I want to bring it church wide. 
And so I'm asking you before you leave today to head back to the Body Life Group table, spend $10 invested in your life and, and your, and, and your, and your spirit, spiritual pilgrimage and to become a person of prayer. Not just go to prayer, not just have prayer meetings, not just go to the church to, prayer, to, pray, to pray and not just ask somebody to pray for you, but that you will examine, I will examine my heart and I will dive in and I will become a person of prayer. Now, why would six weeks be so important? It takes 21 days to break a habit, they say. It takes 21 days to start a habit. So we're going to start a good habit, a good discipline of being and living as a person of prayer. And so just live up, step up to the challenge, if you will. We start this tomorrow morning. So, uh, uh, so please uh, consider being a part of that journey. Not here to sell books. What I am more important about, most urgent about, is what I'll be sharing over the next six weeks or so. Between now and throughout the month of June, we'll be sharing on this life of prayer. And I really emphasize that life of prayer because I don't want it just to be a life with prayer. A life that does prayer. I want a life of prayer. I'll, I'll put it to you in a, in a short form like what Philip Brooks said. He said, prayer is not something we do. It is something we are. It is the highest and deepest expression of the inner person. Now, I want you to just hang on to that quote and just leave it up there for a few moments. Prayer is not something we do. I'm afraid for most of us, that's what we have reduced it down to. I pray, you pray, we pray, you pray for me, I pray for you. You're in a, you're in a tough situation, you call, you call somebody to pray for you. You're in a tough situation, you pray for you. You kind of get into this kind of mode that you do prayer. I want to move us away from that, and I want us to go to that next line, and it's something that we are. Something that we are. I hope that that is true of you, that you are a person of prayer. Hey, just take that slide off for just a minute, guys. We'll be back there in a moment. Um, so as, as you think about prayer, and you think about the life of Christ, I want you to think about it in light of this, okay? He was a person of prayer. He didn't just do prayer. He was a person of prayer. And so hang with me on that for just a moment. Because if you look at the life of Christ, you'll see that he prayed throughout his ministry, throughout his time together. He prayed in the good times. He prayed in the bad times. He prayed in the morning. He prayed in the evening. He prayed in the morning in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. He prayed all night long in Luke chapter 6, verse 14. He prayed on the Mount of, of Transfiguration in this beautiful, amazing, heavenly experience in Luke 9. But he also prayed just before he went to the cross and suffered and died in the darkest despair of his life in the last chapters of the Bible, of the Gospels. You find him again in a spirit of prayer. So it doesn't matter. And I'm afraid that some of us kind of slip into that mode when life is good, we kind of forget God. And when life is bad, we're kind of crying out to God. And I want you to move away from the cyclical prayer life. I want to move away from the cyclical prayer life that I pray when I'm down and I, and I forget God when I'm up. Or I praise Him when I'm up and I blame Him when I'm bad, when, when things are down. And let us develop and have a life of prayer. A life of prayer because Jesus certainly modeled it. Now, guys, you can throw that slide up. You notice when you look at the life of Christ, He performed miracles, 34 parables, 35... He prayed 19 different times, 19 different times in the Gospels. Now, you might think, well, 
he was more about miracles and, and teaching than he was about praying. Actually, the fuel that fueled the ministry, the fuel that ignited the ministry of miracles and parables, I believe, came out of a life of prayer. Because you see Jesus praying in His last words on the cross, and you also see Him praying when He goes into the, into the wilderness to start His ministry. You see it at the beginning and you see it at the end. And you see it at all points in between. When you come to the life of Jesus, you come to a person of prayer. And so for the next few weeks, all we're going to do is we're going to survey the life of Christ and His prayer life. There's a lot of other verses that we might bring in from time to time. But our focus will be Jesus and how He lived as a life of prayer. And how He exudes that in, in His life and in in the ministry, in the way he lived his life. And I know this because if he performed all those miracles, healing the people, bringing people back from the dead, if he was such a great teacher that they called him rabbi, wouldn't you think that if the disciples had anything that they wanted to learn of Jesus, they would say, show us how to multiply bread. Show us how to walk on the water. Show us how to raise the dead. That would be a pretty cool thing to do, even to this day. They didn't. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, we find... That they had one request of Jesus. It says here in the Word, it says that He was praying in a certain place. Now, I like that phrase, certain place. I'd really like to know what that certain place looked like. In fact, next week we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the places and the postures of prayer. But we'll save that for next week. But that is, that's just a phrase right there, a certain place. What would the place of prayer look like for Jesus? We'll talk about more of that next week. But it says here that when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach uh, Never said teach us to do a miracle. Never teach us to teach like you. Lord, ne never teach us to do carpentry like you were taught when you were growing up. Lord, teach us to pray. We've been watching you in this ministry, in this life, in this, this, what you've been going through. We want to pray like you. Now, I want us to learn something and zero in on one word here. It is the word teach. Let us move past the, today the concept of what some people have elevated prayer to be. Alright? Prayer is not, let me tell you what it is not, it is not some spiritual platitude. That, oh, if I could become a pastor, then I'm really closer to God, and therefore, then I will be able to communicate with God and pray more effectively. That's why I will call the pastor when I get into a tough situation and ask him to pray for me. Listen, I'll tell you right now, I have no more access to God than you do. All right? I have no more privileged VIP red phone in my office that I can call God. All right? Hotline to heaven. No, I don't have it. And you, there's no spiritual platitude. It's not a spiritual gift either. I don't know if you've ever been with some people who just know how to call down the angels of heaven. And they can just speak this heavenly language. And you just wonder, oh, if I could just pray like them. Listen, get over it. It's not a spiritual gift. It's not a spiritual platitude. What it is, is it is a training. It is a teaching. It is a discipline. It is something that you acquire when you focus and give yourself to it. That's why they said, teach us, Lord. Teach us. There's a curriculum to it. There's a, there's a syllabus that goes with it. There's something about it that we need to learn. It. Now, in this passage in Luke 11, it's one of two times that Jesus in the Gospels presents what we, you and I know as the Lord's Prayer. Now, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer in just a moment, so kind of go back in the recesses of your mind and pull that out. We'll be there in a moment. 
But you know the Lord's Prayer. And you've, you've said it. You've recited it. You said it maybe in school. I did it in the second grade, the first time through the second grade anyway. And I, went, I said it right before we went to, to, to lunch. Uh, Mrs. Lingle was my second grade teacher, and, and we all recited it. You'd never hear of that today. All right? But in that day, you could do that. All right? Well, so the, 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 the Lord's Prayer, you might have learned it in catechism or something like that. So anyway, we'll come to that in a moment. But I want us to notice something. In this situation in Luke 11, and in Matthew 6, where we'll be in just a moment, both times Jesus says, this is how you ought to pray. Now, he wasn't doing that in some kind of, this is the rote prayer that you need to pray, because he immediately in Matthew 6 is talking about, don't pray in some kind of rote, repetitious prayer. But we have made it that. Let me say this. It is the model prayer. I'll probably not call it, I'll try not to anyway, call it the Lord's Prayer anymore. I'm going to call it the model prayer. The Lord's Prayer is actually in John 17. We'll be there in a few weeks. That's truly the prayer that Jesus prayed. But we're going to be there in, in, in length in, in, in a few weeks. I want us to understand the basics, the framework, the most important elements about prayer. Call it curriculum of prayer. Because in both situations, Luke 11 and Matthew chapter 6, we find the Lord's Prayer. So let's throw that up on the screen. If you need a cheat sheet, there it is. I want you to pray it. I'm going to get you started, then I'm going to let you finish it, because most of you all know it. All right, are you ready? Pray then like this. Our Father, which art in heaven... Now, you notice I had to bring King Jimmy out here. This is King James Version because that's what most people memorized, all right? And then we even get stuck over trespassers or debtors. So uh, I'll let you struggle over that. But we know this prayer. How many of y'all said that prayer without looking at it or could say it without looking at it? Raise your hand. All right. You've been trained. You've been taught. You know it. But what is it? If it's not a mimicking kind of prayer, it's not something you just do in some kind of rote fashion, like you're going to second grade lunch. And not, not that. If it's not that, what kind of prayer is it? If it's not actually Jesus' prayer, then what do we learn from it? And so I want to talk about it today in the form of the idea of this is God's curriculum. This is Jesus' syllabus, if you will, on prayer. And I, want to, I, I don't know if you understand, I, I, you've heard me say this before, but I was one of the first family members um, to go to college in my immediate family. And my mother got me through high school, but she didn't know what to do with college, all right? So it was kind of like going into uncharted land. And then again, going into college, I was not exactly going in on some kind of academic scholarship in any form or fashion. And so I can remember my cousin came to my house, like literally I was packing up to go to college. And she, she was talking to me, and she just finished grad school, and she was sharing with me about college. She says, this is what you're going to experience. I didn't realize how overwhelmed I would be uh, just day one in college. And so those of you getting ready to go to college, and you can get ready for this. Okay, so here's my advice to you. Do what Deborah, my cousin, said to do. Take the syllabus. Now, I didn't know what a syllabus was. She said, take the syllabus. And I said, you're going to have to explain what that one is. Let's start at one sentence, okay? 
What's a syllabus? And so she said, take the syllabus and you need to put everything on that syllabus into your calendar. You need to live by that syllabus because if you ever say, I didn't know to a professor, they will typically point you back, well, it was on the syllabus. And so you can always live by that syllabus. That syllabus is where you're going to go. That syllabus tells you when you're going to have a test. That syllabus tells you when your papers are going to be due. That syllabus is the curriculum, if you will, the guide, if you will, to where you will be going in each and every one of your classes. Now, I took that bit of information, and it was priceless to me. So let's talk about the syllabus. If, if prayer is something that is taught, as Jesus was teaching his disciples, if prayer is something that's taught, what's the syllabus look like? All these words are really short, brief. They all start with P, so you can't, you can't forget them, all right? The first word is praise. You see it there. You see it in the first part of the verse, and you see it in the, last, in the first part of the prayer, and you see it in the last part of the prayer. Whenever he said, hallowed be thy name. He says, and then at the end, it says, your kingdom come, your, or, excuse me, uh, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now, some of the newer or older uh, manuscripts didn't have that phrase, but it doesn't mute the issue that praise is a part of prayer. Now, the sad part is, is that we make prayer more about us and it's less about God. And the best thing we could do is to learn and to appreciate, and you're going to hear this word a lot in this message, if we can align ourselves in prayer to realize that prayer is, yes, it is about us, and we'll get to that in a moment, but it's also about Him. And that we, if we could realize that there is a God and we aren't Him, then that would be really better. Because most of the time, uh, that would be really good, better. Uh, anyway, most of the time we go to God and we say, God, I need this. God, I want this. God, I don't feel good about this. God, would you give me this? And we go to God with a wish list. But if you'll notice in this model prayer, the first thing he said, hallowed be your name. He walks into the presence of God Almighty, the creator of heaven and the earth. And he starts with him. He doesn't start with himself. He starts with God. And he enters into his presence focusing on him. How holy, how awesome, how amazing, how complete, how wonderful are you, God. And I would just encourage each and every one of us to somehow draw back a little bit from our chaotic kind of lives, our crazy kind of schedules. And let us draw back from trying to be God of our own universe and realize that there is a God and we are not Him. And the sooner we do that, and the sooner we start looking in our life and seeing God's hand at work, the sooner we will be able to praise Him. Because here's a life principle for you. You must know Him if you're going to praise Him. Most people don't know Him. I'm going to give you every Sunday, I'm going to give you homework. Again, if we're going to teach you how to pray, we're going to talk about it. And I'm going to give you homework assignments. And I want you to have homework assignment number one. And I want you to be thinking about this past week. And where did God show up in your life? How did He, how is He in your life, present in your life, working in your life? Did you see His power? Did you see His justice? Did you see His mercy? Did you experience His kindness? Did you experience His love and grace? Did you experience His firm hand? For me, I can tell you in my own life, as I give you this assignment, 
I have one word for God this week. Provision. God provided in ways that I didn't even know I had needs. But then there was God. And I just had to step back in a humble kind of fashion and say, God, thank you. Thank you for providing. Just providing. Just for being the God of all the universe and reaching into all of, all of who you are and just pouring a little bit more into my life. Thank you for being my provider. So you have a homework assignment. Look at this past week. Where has God been in your life? Start praising Him right there. My soul, it says in Psalm 30, verse 20, My soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. See, what should happen when we truly have praise is we cannot keep silent. It will come out of us. It will be expressed to God. Where has He been in your life? How can you praise Him? I want to give you a couple of things real quickly because for the sake of time. One, you can praise Him with your hands. I mean, the Bible says this. I want you to read a couple of verses out loud with me. Psalm 47, verse 1. Throw it up there. Here we go. Clap your hands, all peoples. That means you read with me. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with a voice of joy. So right there, He gives you an instrument of praise. A ten-stringed instrument right there. So when you come in here and Jared has a great song and is leading us in a great song, don't stand there like a wooden Indian. Listen, bring your hands together, clap them, do what, raise them. Think about it like that. Here's another verse for us. Lift up your hands to the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Psalm 134. Using your hands to bring praise, using your lips to bring praise to God is another way. Your lips, what you say, how you utter them. Now again, think about it for a moment. If you were to experience God in your life like I did this past week in the area of provision, God provided a need. God stepped in when you thought you were falling short. Whatever it was. If that's yours, and you keep it to yourself, and you keep it to yourself, and you don't share it, and you don't proclaim it, what an injustice to a holy, awesome God. But with so much here, 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 what I'm about to say. So much of our life is focused on what we don't have than what we have. What we haven't experienced than what we've experienced. Praise takes us to a point in time where God was something in us and from that something and from that being and from who He was, then out flows, out comes praise from our hearts. Don't move too quickly through your life that you miss the hand of God, but also through your life is another way you can praise Him. I plead with, with you to give your bodies to God because of all that He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. This is how you worship Him. By giving up your life. Giving them over to Him. Priorities is number two. Second letter in the core curriculum is priorities. Now again, let's say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. There it is. You pray it. 
God, I want your kingdom here. I want your, your dominion here. I want your reign here. And I want your will here. I want it in my life. I want it in my children's life. I, I want that. Now, we can say that on this end, but sometimes we don't adjust on the other end. Well, many times we come to God and we say, God, I want this. Give me this. And if He doesn't give this to us, then we get really angry. We get really... God doesn't answer prayer. Prayer's weak, whatever the case may be. Instead, what we should be coming to Him with is, God, I want Your will. What is it that You're doing? Where are You working? I'm available for You. David prayed, I delight in Thy will. Do you truly find delight in His will? Jesus said, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work in John chapter 4. Can you say that, that, that literally living out His will is a part of your life. It's a priority in your life. I don't know if you see in this big cosmic world that we live in over this long history of time, your significance. You want to you raise your significance level? Look at it like this. You have a part to play in God's kingdom. You have a part to play in His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. You have a part to play in that. Let me read to you from... J.P. Moreland, he said, make it no mistake about it. This drama, this kingdom agenda is at the center of the meaning of the cosmic history and your own individual story. Wow, you mean this cosmic world and my story fit together? Yes, like a grand conductor who calls in the flutes at just the right time. Your father has brought you into the cosmic symphony at your unique place and time and space so that you can be a vibrant outpost in your sphere of influence. In short, you are here to be an apprentice to the Lord Jesus to learn how to live your life as well as a part of God's broader purposes. This is your calling. This is your destiny. This is your only chance to have a life of genuine, full, human flourishing. What a statement. That you are part of a symphony. And God of the cosmic universe is taking His finger and He's pointing at you. And He's giving you the nod. It's time for you to play. Your part in His symphony right now. Your part in His kingdom coming right now. If we were to own that, if we were to receive that in all of its magnitude, it would change the way we pray. It would change the way we live. It would change the priorities of our life because now we see we're a part of a bigger plan, a bigger picture, and a bigger kingdom than our own. I can tell you right now, whenever our family has moved around the world and God began to nudge us to missions, it was not one that was received with a lot of welcome. And then when we loaded up and packed up and we moved off to Africa, it was, there was a lot of gnashing and crying, of gnashing of teeth and crying going on in the McDaniel house. We moved to Africa and I can remember when we were there, the first days our kids, Jordan and Caleb who are here with us today, being in their beds 
singing songs that they created in their heads about the friends that they left back in America. Now you send your parents into, into counseling at that point uh, and uh, wondering, God, we missed something here. Fast forward four years later. And I tell Lori and the family, and I feel like God's leading us back to America to start a church that would be on mission in America for the world, not just individual self-seekers. And at that point, our family was absolutely in love with Africa. And there was weeping and gnashing of teeth at the thought of moving back to America. Let me just say this, and i got so much more to say about all of that, but let me just say this. I have never, we have never been disappointed, been sold a bill of goods by God when living out His perfect will. You are here today a part of that perfect will of Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You are a part of what God wants to do, not just here, but around the world. And I'm not saying you're here by accident. That's why I'm saying you are here on purpose. In prayer, as the great missionary Methodist missionary East Stanley Jones said, prayer is self-surrender. Prayer is coming before God and just saying, I'm yours. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is also provision. It's about provision. Yes, we can pray for ourselves. Yes, we start with God. Don't barge into God's presence all about you. Go into His presence with confidence and boldness. Go into His presence with confidence and boldness about Him and bringing it to Him and His kingdom. And, and God, how is this a part of your kingdom? What is this about? And God, by the way, if you're going to call me to do that, I, we need this. Give us today the food we need. I want to break that down in just bite-sized form. Give. We need to live in a state of dependence on God. If you are self-sufficient, self-funded, self-absorbed, and it's you don't really need God, you're not in a good position. I don't envy you. You may say, Mike, you don't know how much I make. You don't know what I have. You don't know where I'm, where I live, and you don't. I, I don't envy you. I would much rather be dependent upon God than myself. God wants us dependent upon Him. Give. Give us. Now notice this. You can pray for you, but you can't just pray for you. You must pray also for others. You will never find the first personal pronoun anywhere in the Lord's Prayer. If I'm going to pray, God bless me, then I've got to pray, God bless you. Notice the plurality of this, that, that He wants us to pray for more, and we need to engage in that. There is no more significant involvement, Chuck Swindoll said, in another's life than prevailing consistent prayer. It is more helpful than a gift of money, more encouraging than a strong sermon, more effective than a, than a compliment, more reassuring than a physical embrace. Is the value of knowing that somebody seriously, earnestly is praying for me. It makes the difference. I was recently traveling. Somebody wrote me at a day and a time. I was in Florida. And they wrote me. And I this is a high school friend from years ago on Facebook said, I don't know why God brought you to, your mind, to my mind, but I'm praying for you today. 
I mean, I don't know what happened. I don't know what didn't happen. But I know I was elated that somebody was praying for me. But also notice this. He says, give us this day our daily. Our daily. This is it's a daily prayer life. It's not a weekly. It's not a monthly. It's not an occasional. It's not a periodical. It's not a quarterly. It is a daily prayer life that you need to be in. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, notice here, God is not asking us only to pray for the big things. Because so many people do that. Think about it like this. I'll pray for cars and jobs and sicknesses and cancer and things like that that I can't fix. But really, the day-to-day, I don't need you. God, I pretty much got this under control. Now, you would never say that, and I wouldn't either. But we live like it. See, God wants us to bring it all the way back down to the simple things like bread. Bread. Everybody has bread. Why would I need to pray for bread? Because what we do is we compartmentalize God and we make God only in the big picture things. Only the things that we can't fix ourselves. And then we try to do everything else on our own. You know what that is? That's secular humanism. He wants our life to be saturated in prayer in every way. If you grab this book, I want you to go to the back page whenever you leave out of here today. And on this back page, it's blank. I want you to write out a prayer. All right? A prayer, a prayer guide, if you will. Throw this up on the screen. I want you to take this and I want you to just make your own active prayer list. Start a date when you put out your, and then put out your prayer request, write it out, then put a date answer. And I promise you, in the next six weeks, if you will start praying for daily bread issues, not, not only the big issues, just pray for the daily bread issues, you will begin to see God provide for you in the next six weeks. I promise you. If you are faithful and you follow through on this, He will provide for you. Leonard Ravenhill said it so well. Prayer is profoundly simple, yet simply profound. The problem is so few of us do it. Number four is pardon. We need to pray for pardon. Again, we know the Lord's Prayer. Say it with me. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now notice there, he's got the word up, forgive, twice. The first time, we're saying it to God, God forgive. It's actually an imperative command. We're crying out, God, don't forget to forgive. God, I need you to forgive me. You need to keep a short list with God. You need to be constantly in a relationship with God where you're bringing your faults to Him. And you're saying, God, I need your forgiveness. But also, notice the word, that we also forgive others. Notice that He includes that in His prayer. Why would He include that? If you've offended me, then really, is it, does it have anything to do with God? Because you're, you've offended me. Actually, it's, a, it's actually not an imperative here. It's an indicative in the, Greek, in the Greek language, which just means this, it's ongoing. It's ongoing action. It never stops. Now here's the thing about forgiveness. Here's the thing about human forgiveness between me and others. Is I need to bring God into my forgiveness. Because the only way I'm going to live in this forgiveness, because here's the thing about forgiveness, is it's ongoing. It's every day. As long as I'm in relationship, I'm going to be forgiving. And as long as I'm in relationship, I'm going to need them to forgive me. It's ongoing action. 
It becomes a part of me who I am. Martin Luther King said that forgiveness is not just an occasional act. It is a permanent attitude. A permanent attitude. Dr. Paul Meyer and Frank Minra said a number of years ago on Focus on the Family, I was listening to their radio broadcast, and they said the number one disease in America that causes depression, emotional disorders, and burnout is unresolved anger. Living with unresolved anger. Forgiveness must be a part of our prayer life. The fifth curricula, if you will, or syllabi, if you will, of prayer is path. You're going to be making a lot of decisions in your life, aren't you? Every day making the choices and decisions and changes and adjustments. Every day. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the, this, however, it presupposes one thing. That you're following. See, if you're leading, then you're going to just find yourself in a mess and asking God to get you out of that mess. But the best thing to do is to put yourself under His leadership and let Him lead you because He won't lead you into temptation and He will make sure you find a path through and a way out of the evil that is in this world. The Bible promises that. But the problem is, are you being led? Or are you leading? Whose path are you on? Several questions for you as I close. What does He ask you to give that you're withholding? What does He ask you, where does He ask you to serve that you're resisting? Where does He ask you to go that you're staying? What does He ask you to say but you're not speaking? And the list could go on or 15 more questions but I won't go on because the reality is is that you've really got to come back to a life of prayer or is it just a to-do list you pray occasionally the model prayer is that where it becomes your life it becomes your life we'll throw one more slide up and I just want this to kind of be branded in your mind do you think about the Lord's Prayer you need to ask yourself a question today. Is there a praise that I need to give? Looking back over your life, your week, your day, how has God been in your life? Is there a priority I need to adjust? Is there a provision that I need to request? Is there a pardon that I need to grant or, or seek? Is there a path that I need to follow? Have a life of prayer. Let me pray. Father, you are amazing. That you would want to hear from us. That you would invite us into your presence. God, forgive us for our self seeking, our own idolatry of our egos, Lord. That we would insert ourselves as God when You are the most holy and hallowed, omnipotent, omnipresent, 
amazing God that you are. Lord, help us in this beginning of this series to start right here, right now, developing a life of prayer. Lord, if it's a forgiveness that we need to grant or we need to receive, if it's if it's quit living independent of you and start depending upon you, if it's if it's getting on your path and off our path, wherever it is, Lord, help us to adjust right now to you and what you're calling us to as we pray this prayer. Our Father. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray.